What's up, everybody? We're back. R two C two. It's a first seat. This is a uh, an R two C two inaugural expedition of you and me being in two different locales, man. Yeah. Now, now, can can people see us? People can't see us. They can't. But if you want to, I'll take a screenshot of it and post it. How about that? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If if we want to. I could just take like a picture of us and post it on my Instagram story or something. But other than that, they're not going to be able to see us. See us. They're just going to be able to hear us. Oh, okay. So this good. It's like normal. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, we realize like we want to deliver for our audience every Thursday. And for the most part, we do a pretty good job of, you know, getting together and putting a couple episodes in the bank. Uh, throughout the course of the season, but there are a few times with our demanding schedules that we're in different locations. So we figured, you know what? This way we can stick with every Thursday. Cece got down to Tampa when? Yesterday? Uh, no, I got down. On, I got down on Monday. I, I weighed in today, but uh, I was thinking about going uh, maybe tomorrow or the next day. Oh, I haven't been my I haven't been my annual. <laughs> now you can't do it until you weigh in. You got to wait till you weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. All right, I got it. You gotta, you gotta make sure you hit your weight, and then you can go to Krispy Kreme. I still love yeah. the story you told of having the Krispy Kremes under a seatbelt so that they don't get stuck to the top of the box. True story. True story. <laughs> that's, well, that's that's a bad that's a bad thing if if uh, you know you. Go, I mean, for me, it's like a thirty minute hike to go all the way down to Krispy Kreme. And then, and if I get the glaze, the the maple glaze on top of the box, man, that, that just pisses you off. You know what I'm saying? I also <laughs> am absolutely amazed that it's a a 30 minute drive for you to Krispy Kreme, man. That's serious dedication. See? It is. It's real. It's a it's a real love of it. <laughs> I guess so. So we have said on R2C2 for a while. Uh, you have been totally honest that 2019 is your final season. Um, so what is it like getting to Tampa knowing that this is the last time that you're going to be doing this, man? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same. It's, it's nothing, uh, no big deal. I mean, uh, we got a press conference set up for Saturday with my family, but, uh, yeah, no, it's nothing, uh, no big deal. I mean, it's just, everything's the same. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't feel different to you at all. Nothing has sunk in yet. Nah, nah, nothing like that. I mean, I mean, it, you know, it's the first day it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just, you know, keep going and uh, enjoying the guys and hanging out with the guys and, you know, the position players starting to come in, triple in. And, you know, we did our physicals today. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, it's funny, man, because like I saw a lot of people because you have a press conference, right, that you're going to be doing with your family, um, as you just said. But I saw a lot of people like then like, they were like texting me or I see people on Twitter like, oh, word is CeCe's going to announce this is his final season. And I'm like, what, where have these people been, man? We, we, you've been saying this word, like every episode the entire offseason? Yeah, no, nah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know why it's such a big deal. But uh, not why it's such a big deal right now. I mean, I guess it's because it's going to be the press conference. But, uh, no, I mean, I'm excited. Everything's good and, you know, feeling healthy. So, you know, just take it one day at a time. Well, see, I, I know, uh, you know, I'll be down there with you a couple different times throughout uh, throughout spring. But um, we uh, a lot of people, um, you know, obviously they have even more 
attachment and emotion to this final, the start of your final season, knowing this is it. And so we got flooded with some awesome questions. So obviously there's things me and you can get into, but I feel like let's dive into some of the questions that people have asked us because, you know, they, they're, they have certain curiosities, especially since they know this is your final year. And, uh, and you know, I, I made sure to star or to like a lot of the ones with compliments as well because I couldn't let that go. <laughs> For sure. I love that. <laughs> so the first thing I want to ask uh, or question I want to throw by you um, was uh, from the Bronx gets tanked who tweeted at us first saying congrats on the engagement. So thanks Bronx gets tanked. And then says, CC, do you plan on coming back as a mentor in future spring trainings? Love the podcast exclamation point hashtag 52 to monument park. So do you plan oh, on yeah. coming back? I would, I'm definitely planning on coming back and, uh, you know, hanging out with the guys doing spring training, um, you know, hitting some fungos, you know, just being uh, just being around and, you know, watching some bullpens and things like that. I mean, um, I think that's where you get you get to, like you get to hang out with the young guys the most and get to know the guys the most is, is during spring training. So it will be uh, it'll be great if I got the opportunity to come back and just help the guys out. Have you have you let the organization know? I mean, is how formal <laughs> that relationship be? Like, do you want to have some kind of formalized role with the organization when you're done? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want to do that. Um, Los, um, you know, have lo having lo Carlos around, you know, in that role is, is awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely want to want to be in, in that role and, and try to help out in, in, as much as possible. And, and even in the offseason with the offseason stuff and signing free agents and you know, doing research and, and things like that. I mean, I think I'd be, I think I'd be good at that. You would, and that's fun. I also think it's see when you get because obviously in spring training, and this is just my own question, but in spring training, a lot of times you have guys who are getting their first taste of a big league camp, or you know, who maybe it's their second or third, but they're not ready for the majors yet. Yet they'll be with you guys for some period of time. How often do people from the organization or coaching staff come to you and say like, hey? Could you spend a little time with this young dude? Or we think highly of this young dude. Could you take him aside? Could you talk to him about this? How often does that kind of thing happen? Yeah, that happens. That happens uh, a lot. But, but I mean, you kind of know who the guys are, <clears throat> you know, you know, uh, from, you know, just seeing the stats from last year and, you know, kind of reading about the guys throughout the offseason. So, um, you know, who the guys are, who are coming in, who are prospects and guys who have a chance to, uh, you know, make an impact or, um, you know, have a chance to make the team um, or have a chance to make the team team throughout the season, you know, and have a have a chance to come up and make an impact. I think the biggest thing for young guys to realize is that if you're in that room during spring training, you have a chance to make, you know, come up and make an impact at some point during the season. So you need to be ready and prepared and, and uh, prepare like you're pitching in the big leagues, you know, no matter what what level you start at, um, you know, you can you can always finish in the big leagues. Is there is there anyone going into this year as far as the pitchers go that you're particularly looking forward to seeing up close in Tampa? You know what I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to seeing Chance Adams again. You know, um, you know, coming off the, the elbow injury, uh, get his velocity back. You know, coming off the elbow injury, and you know, just kind of seeing you know his progression and, and seeing how he feels this year. Um, you know, obviously throwing so hard last year and or a couple years ago, and you know being like highly touted and then having an elbow, you know, elbow surgery and losing his velocity and kind of learn, have to learn how to pitch. So um, it could be a good thing for him if he can get his velocity back and, 
you know, the struggles he went through last year help him. That's interesting to me, man, because I think like, you know, he's a guy who a lot of people, I mean, he was highly touted a while ago. And then a lot of people kind of like forgot about him. And I always think like we act like the narrative is written on these dudes too soon. A lot of times, you know, I mean, some guy could come up and be great and then fall off, never come back, could be great, fall off, come back, could, you know, be highly touted, struggle. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, make it like, I mean, there it's fluid. It's not decided yet what Chance Adams will or won't be. Nah, yeah, and you never know. Just, you know, I mean, you can look at guys throughout history that, you know, have it, you know, go up and down and struggle at the beginning of their, their career. So, um, you know, it's always uh, some, a little bit of adversity you have to go through to be, to be able to, to become that, that big leader that everybody wants you to be. Do you have any uh, sort of distinct memories or feelings about what Judge was like in camp, his first couple camps before he was a big leaguer, just so, like what what was he like in that room, or what was his attitude like or mentality? Did he stand out right away? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously he stood out, you know, being you know as you know his stature and how big he is, he obviously stood <laughs> yeah. out. But I think I think everybody just you know him being so mature and, and uh, you know I think you know everybody you know him being a college guy and. You know, three years in college, you know, uh, you know, really helps you with maturity and, and being able to handle yourself in different locker rooms. But I think it was just, uh, you know, the way he was, you know, carried himself and and, uh, you know, obviously how far he hit balls. And, um, you know, he was always a guy that, that stood out to you for sure. John Delphel says on Twitter, or asks on Twitter, was CC close to signing with another team or leaning towards a team in 2008? Before Cashman flew down to convince him of New York. Oh, it went back when I was a free agent. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess uh, the only other offer I had was from uh, Anaheim at the time. So uh, Anaheim had offered me a deal, and uh, but that was a couple of days before I had left to go to to the winter meeting. So um, no, I mean it was it was it was really just just the Angels and and uh, and, and the Yankees. What did do you like? I remember it was a story, Cashman going to, like, meet with you. But were, was that, like, kind of, like, the final convincing thing for you, Cashman going and, and meeting you with you? Was that, like, the, the clinching moment? Yeah, I think that was, that was the, the biggest thing for me and Amber was him, you know, coming to our house and, you know, flying in and, and uh, you know, talking to us in, in, our, in our living room. I think that was the biggest thing. And. You know, just make the, made us feel comfortable, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, yeah made us feel good. I, I think the biggest thing too was that when he flew in, he put the opt out in. That's when he was like, oh, you know, if you don't like it, um, you know, you'll you'll be able to leave after three after three years. We put the opt out in, so that was the that was a big thing too. Oh, that's interesting. How about see? With I feel like every week we get to do a, a Machado update. Is it blowing your mind that he's still unsigned? Man, it's so crazy. The both of these guys, man, it, it is unbelievable. And it's not even just like I said, it's not even these two guys. It's just, you know, the amount of guys that, you know, Gio Gonzalez, Adam Jones, I mean, the amount of, you know, big leaguers that can help teams win that are unsigned right now is incredible. Um, you know, along with the two at the top, but I mean, it, it, this is this is insane. I don't know what's going on. You know, Adam, we loved having Adam on R2C2. He was fantastic. And I know yeah. he's a friend of yours. How, is, how has he been handling all this? See, have you checked in with him at all? 
Yeah, I've talked to him a couple times, and, you know, he's just, you know, waiting for a call. And, you know, he obviously thinks he's, you know, he got a lot left in the tank that he can help a team win. And, um, you know, but he's got to get that opportunity, you know. And, you know, he had a, you know, a good year last year. And, you know, obviously he could, he's played on some teams that made the playoffs. So he's a veteran guy. He can lead, you know, on the clubhouse. So, I mean, it's just crazy that he can't, um, you know, you know, seem to get a job. Have you been – there's been, like, a lot of reports this week, oh, the Yankees have been keeping tabs on Machado. Have you been keeping – last time you told him, told us, like, yeah, we, I've talked to him. Have you been keeping tabs with him just in case? No, I haven't talked to him since the last time, I guess, we did a podcast. Um, yeah. You know, it's just – you know, you don't want to keep bothering the guy and, you know, talk, calling the guy and all that shit. I mean, we all know what's going on. We can see the news and stuff. So, you don't want to keep uh, hounding the guy and things like that. So, uh, you just kind of let it play out, and hopefully he's a teammate in a couple of weeks, and I won't have to, you know, keep texting him. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Yankee fans would love that too, man. All right, um, Eric M eight 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 says, uh, not sure if either of you could answer this, but where th- will there be a farewell retirement tour for CC? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that goes. Uh, nah, but it, and you know, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think for you, see, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like the thing that seemed to matter the most for you, like going in, knowing it's the final year, is like the certain places and cities you want to be able to share those final moments with family and friends with, right? Yeah, for sure, and. You know, we, uh, we're going to be announcing some stuff on Saturday, but we got some, you know, we got some special things set up in different oh, cities. Cool. Um, that'll be that'll be uh, a lot of fun. That'll be pretty cool. But um, as far as like a farewell tour, I don't know about that, but um, just different different things that we have set up, uh, you know, with some different organizations that, that, my, that my charity has um, dealt with over the years. So, uh, you know, look out for that on Saturday. It should be fun uh, with the press conference and that announcement. So look forward to it. All right, John Paul uh, Bucci tweets and says, what would have to happen for CC to unretire and come back next year? Parentheses, he is looking great, exclamation point. Oh, man, I don't, it ain't nothing that can happen <laughs> to get me to, un- <laughs> to, get me to unretire, man. This is it, uh, for sure. Um, it's been a good ride. It's been, a, it's been a, you know, I've definitely been blessed and, um, you know, and have some good teammates, been on some good teams, but it's time for me to get home and, you know, be with my family and watch my kids grow up. You know, it's interesting, man. I know over the last couple of years, you've had different moments, right, where you kind of said, like, hey, I, I, you know, I think I'm going to play another year. But, like, you were like, I'm not sure. Like, and, and even during the 2017 year, out times, you were like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. And then eventually it was like, okay. You know, last year in the beginning of the year, maybe you are like, we'll see. But then you are like, okay, I definitely am. How would you know, like, okay, this, because you've known for a while now, how'd you know this was definitely going to be the last year, no questions asked? Um, just because I, I felt like last year could have been the last year, um, definitely no questions asked. So, um, you know, you know, you never want to like out, outstay your welcome, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I feel like I can definitely still help a team win. Um, I'm healthy enough to still do that, go out there and make, you know, uh, however many starts I need to make to help to be effective and help the team win. And, um, you know, I just don't know how many if I can keep doing that and, and uh, with my yeah. knee and things like that. So I don't want to commit to a season to get halfway through and not be able to get through it because of my knee. So, you know, it's just about being smart about that, being, 
you know, and being able to, to give everything I can to a team and, you know, being 100% committed. So, um, yeah, I, I want to be, you know, as fresh and as healthy as I can and be able to, you know, help a team win. And, you know, and I feel like this would be, you know, the last year I can I can do that effectively. This I, I like this question. Um, it was from Saul uh, Levy, 221, who tweets, what's the most memorable behind the scenes conversation that you had in the 2009 World Series run? Oh, man. Um, I think I think just I don't know if, if it's just one conversation, but I think just the conversations, you know, me and Andy would have. And I would just uh, I would be always asking them, like comparing us to other teams, you know, like <laughs> um, so, you know, in that that team that y'all had in, in, you know, in 99 or in 2000, you know, did this happen or blah, 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 blah or. You know, like what was the keys to that team winning? And, you know, so I was just kind of like compare us to those other teams and like his mind and, and like his chance of us winning. You know, like he was the closest <laughs> thing that I had to like somebody winning the championship. So I was always like picking his brain about like our chances. I, I know you probably got tired of it, but that was just the biggest, you know, th- those conversations I would have with him about, you know, our chances in, in our team compared to, to those teams that he played on earlier. Was he saying to you, like, don't worry, man, I've seen championship teams. We got this. This is going to work. Out. Nah, nah, I mean, nobody says that. Um, you know, it's baseball, so anything can happen. He, he, would, he would always just say, you know, the, the, you know, the biggest thing that we had, you know, was, you know, three big pitchers and a good lineup. And he was like, you know, we have that. So, you know, it just made me feel good that, you know, every time he would say that, you know, we got the, we got the big three and we got a good lineup. So. Um, you know, that was always his answer to every time when I was when I was asking questions. I think this is an interesting question. See, uh, Emilio says, "Is there any one thing that CC always wished he had paid more attention to or worked more on in his career? Is there any one thing that stands out to you like that? Like, man, may, like if it's a pitch or any anything in particular?" No, I think maybe I, I guess just learning my change up a little earlier. I, I don't feel like that really came um, for me in like 2006 or seven. Until 2006 or seven, I feel like if I would have you know learned that pitch a little earlier in my career, or I mean they were trying to teach it to me, but if I would have took it a little more serious and you know really uh, felt like I needed it, and you know I probably probably could have had you know a couple better years there earlier in my career, but. Um, yeah, so just, you know, trying to pay attention to my changeup. That's the one thing I always tell kids now, young pitchers, is just develop your changeup and make sure that you have that. Because if you can throw a fastball on the changeup, you can pitch for a long time on any level. You know, I, w- I was thinking about this. Did I, I forget, did uh, Lucy pitch when he was playing? I know uh, now he doesn't really pitch, right? But did he pitch at all growing up, like in Little League and stuff? Nah, I mean, he pitched a couple times, but nothing like – he was never a pitcher. He always, you know, played yeah. third, played first, played short. Um, you know, he pitched here and there, but never really pitched like that, no. I was just – because I was going to ask, like, would you let him throw a curveball as a kid growing up? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I threw curveballs as a kid. Um, you know, I don't know how that, that myth about not letting kids throw curveballs before, like, what they say, 12 or 14, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean – I don't know. I mean, I always do curveballs. You know, I started pitching when I was like seven, eight years old, and I threw fastball and a curveball, and I threw like a little slider. So, um, you know, I, I just think it depends on 
you know, the kids, you know, how big the kid is and, and, you know, him being able to handle it and, um, you know, things like that. But I mean, it just depends on every kid is different. It just depends. So uh, this is a fun uh, little deviation question from Master Jim Z, who tweets, who does CC think will sit on the Iron Throne at the end of Game of Thrones? Man, we you know we talked about this, and I and I still think it's Khaleesi. Yeah, yeah, I still think so, man. I I just think somehow that's just what I I just you know she's been through so much shit, man. That like she deserves it. <laughs> Harry Harry Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's the interesting thing, right? Like for me, like the happy ending, um, incest aside, is Jon Snow and Khaleesi. You know, ending up together, ruling together. You know. Yeah, but like you said, incest aside, like that's not like a thing back in those days. Like that's what that's what they did. Like that's like, yo, you know what's crazy is that like they have like those Game of Thrones uh, like marathons on on the weekends now. Every now and again, you know, what I'm saying on HBO, like they'll have a, a marathon on. Yeah. So what's today? Today's Thursday. Yeah, Saturday. I was still at home and I like. So happened. I, we were just at the house chilling, and I like flipped the episode on, and it's like an episode like in like as soon as you flip it on, like Carter sitting right there, we're playing Beyblades on the couch, and like I just like tapped it to to turn it on, and it was like a crazy wild sex scene. I'm like, oh my god, like, I can't even turn this show on. Like I had to, I had to, I had to turn the whole TV off immediately. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> You don't even think about that. I just like that. I just thought like Game of Thrones. Oh, let me flip it on, and then there's some wild shit going on. I'm like, this shit is crazy, man. That's <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah. What do you got? Let me let me think. Like half your half your kids may be able to watch it. Half of them couldn't at this point. Uh nah, not even. No, I mean, I wouldn't even. I mean, I guess maybe Lil C could watch it, but the the other three, I know, no chance. That also probably, even if Lil C could, that'd probably be uncomfortable sitting there no matter what, man. Yeah, that's definitely uncomfortable, man, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Uh, you know what? I need to. I really want, because April, it's coming back. I mean, it's it's soon. I, I, yeah. I want to rewatch the entire series at some point between now and the start of, uh, of the series when it's back. You got the whole thing? Yeah. I've done it last two seasons i did that like watch the entire series <laughs> right before the start of the new season and so now but did you watch it were, were you a watcher of it uh from the start or did you like been watch it from the, from the beginning i mean uh I, late yeah i binge watched it before season six so i watched okay. like all five seasons in like two weeks or something and then or two and a half three weeks and then i caught up with season six Watch that whole season, and then before the start of part one of season seven, I rewatched the entire series right before it, so that I was ready for that. Now I haven't done that again before, you know, part two of season seven. But I do like it because you forget a lot of stuff because so much happens in it. You know, it's like yeah, it's you hard do. To keep you forget a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll definitely rewatch, uh, you know, the whole series before this this last season comes out. Um, I haven't rewatched it in a couple of years, so uh, yeah, it'd be good to, to to catch up on everything and get ready for this last season. But I but I think Khaleesi, I think Khaleesi figures out a way to to uh, to sit on the Iron Throne at the end. 
I hope so, man. I hope so. Sometimes in that show, they really throw you what you don't expect and like, yeah, not sure. satisfy you, you know? So I just, I, I don't want to see like Cersei ruling everyone at the end of it. I don't need that. Man, that, that's, that's, a, that's, I mean, a lot of people's rooting for her too. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know how you root for her. She is a lot of people. A lot of people root for her. So, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how shit shakes out, man. It's crazy. That's that's All what's right. so good about the show is that it's got so many different storylines that you never know. You know. I know it's true, man. It's terrific. Um, John Boy, our buddy, he asks, "Is Cece going to cherish his last ever hill runs?" Feels like they've had some good battles over the years. What's the hill run? Oh, spring training? I'm not getting on that hill this year, bro. Nah. <laughs> no chance. No chance, uh, man. You're done with Mount Krause? Yeah, we stand away from that fucking thing this year. Oh, that's great. Um, all right, Stephen R. Uh, tweets, what are your plans for after retirement? Uh, just to hang out, especially, uh, the first, you know, year or so, um, you know, just be around the family, make sure that, uh, you know, I'm spending a lot of time with them. I want to travel different places, you know, that, that 2020 would be my 40th, uh, my 40th birthday party that, so, you know, I'm sure I have a big blowout birthday party and, and, uh, just hang out, chill with the family. Luke Lyons 78 wants to know, are you looking forward to the London series? How different do you think the atmosphere is going to be compared to a normal road series? Man, we were talking about that today, just the, how fun that's going to be, man. Just the, uh, you know, the history behind that being the first game played over there and that's being against the Red Sox. It's going to be insane. Um, you know, I know a lot of fans are excited about it and, you know, just going out of the country and, and being able to, you know, experience that with my teammates is going to be so much fun. So um, I love traveling. I love going to London. I mean, you know, so it's, it's going to be it's going to be great to, to be able to get a chance to play some games there. You're, you got to try to get problem. on that trip, bro. No chance, huh? No. Guess what? I am on that trip. You are? I am. I am. Uh, that's good. Yeah, dude. So we might have R2C2 London. You calling the games or you doing a uh, sideline? Sideline. Because, you know, it's, um, it's, and I, I'm guessing they're going to, I'm doing sideline, but I think we're going to do like, they'll probably try and do some like extra type stuff for the pre and post game shows, you know, since it's in London. Cause I think Meredith's going and I'm going, but, uh, Fox and ESPN are broadcasting the games. So those games aren't on. Yes. So we're just doing a pre and a post game show, but they want to do. Oh, it, okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. So those games are. Uh, so it's probably going to be like Sunday night baseball. One of them, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. And so, but but I, dude, I'm, I'm excited. They they asked me a couple weeks ago, like, you available for that? And I just thought like oh, there was no chance I get to go, and I was like, hell yeah, man. So yeah, been that, that's going to be a fun trip. Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I once I found out, bro, you know what I mean. This is this is one of the reasons why I came back. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. I can remember like when you last year before you had definitively said you were going to play in 2019, and you were like, I, you know, we'll see, we'll see. And then the London thing happened. You're like, yo, I can't retire. I want to do this. Can't thing. retire. I can't retire, man. Hey, I, I'm know, sitting here watching this, this uh, NBA uh, game, um, the Rockets game on right now it's crazy how the nba keeps us like the storylines that keep us in it man 
Like with this whole, uh, you know, Lakers and Magic Johnson. Now they got the Magic tampering with uh, the 76ers story. Like it's 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 insane. I love it. It's crazy. It, so much drama. You know, it, it, what's what's crazy about it, man, is like the reality is unless the Warriors suffer an injury, right, we all know they're going to end up winning it. Like, we, we – Yeah, of course. That's why I, right? I, I always say that. Yeah, we, we, well, we know that, that that's what's going to happen. But, they, but just the storylines and the Twitter drama and, like, yeah. the different shit that goes on in the NBA, it's, it's, it's great. I love it. That is what is incredible about what they've done. Like, you know, they have somehow, even during a period of time – where there's not a ton of doubt as to who the eventual champion will be. I mean, of course, some things will come up. We'll start to think, can this team do it? Can this, whatever. But we basically know, you know, unless something weird happens, Golden State likely is going to repeat or at least get to the finals, right? And yet, it's so entertaining because of all that drama. Like, there's a new storyline every week. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, Anthony Davis and, you know, they, they got blew out the other day, but, like, it's just crazy, man. It's 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 insane. I hope he, for his sake, that he plays good and just goes out and balls out and tries to score fifty at night, you know, and not let them run this narrative of like he's not the guy anyway. Because if he goes out and have games like he did the other night, then they're just gonna turn it into you know he's not worthy of you know getting traded or this max deal anyway. You know what I'm saying? So he needs to just go out and ball, see what happens. Did you see who did the first uh, po- post trade deadline interview with AD? Nah, who? I'm assuming it's you since you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we did. I did the game Friday. Me and Van Gundy did um, Pelicans and uh, T-Wolves in uh, New Orleans. And so the trade deadline. Did you ask him any any tough questions? All tough questions, bro. All tough (laughs) questions. Because so... I'm going to send you the interview right after we're done with this podcast because I do think you'll be like, oh, shit, right? So, like, it, we – what happened was – so we're just doing the game, right? And, like, at the end of the game, if you remember, AD in that game had 32 points through three quarters and they sat him the entire fourth quarter. And it was a one-possession game down to the wire, you know? Um, yeah. And – so, like, in addition to the awkwardness of, like, oh, he didn't get traded and he's playing, there was also the added storyline of Anthony Davis sat on a bench in a, you know, one-possession game down the stretch after he put up 32 in the first three quarters. So, like, I'm doing the game, and we didn't have a sideline reporter for this game. And all of a sudden, like, my producer, as the game ends, he's like, all right, uh, you know, Jeff's about to, like, he's going to have to record a Sports Center hit with uh, SVP. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you guys, you'll interview, like, Anthony Davis. And I was like, well, Anthony Davis coming over here? And I was, he was like, no, 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 you're going on the floor. I had no idea. So all of a sudden, like, AD was waiting on the floor. I didn't even think he would do the interview, you know? I figured he'd be like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. To his credit, he waited on the floor for me, so I quickly ran out. I had no idea, so I just had to do it, you know, off the cuff, but I did. I asked him about, you know, I asked him how how it was, if it was awkward being out there, if he had to address his teammates at all, what he thought about sitting on the bench the entire fourth quarter, you know, all, all of that stuff. And to his credit, man, he answered it all. Like he he was he was very cool about it. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think he needs to address his teammates. I mean, maybe you know, maybe he did, a, you know, a couple of them privately, but 
You know, it's, it's just it's just crazy. I think the Pelicans are handling this all wrong, too. For as much as I think that, like, you know, both sides, you know what I mean? Like, or, or this is kind of crazy on both sides. But I think that, like, the Pelicans need to just trade them. Because, like, it, you know, holding on to them and threatening not to play them and then setting them in instances where you can win games and stuff like that, it's going to make other players not want to come there, you know, make your organization look bad. So it just makes you look bad if, if you treat this bad. And the, the longer you hold on to the player, the more chance you have of treating his bad. The, you, the better chance you got of fucking it up, the more he's there. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's just going to be a lose-lose for them in the end. But, I mean, the problem is now they have to wait to deal until the summer, you know? Like now... Oh, they have to, but no, yeah, they have to. But I'm just saying they should have traded him. They should have just yeah, traded him. When he wanted to get traded, they should have just traded him. It probably would have been cleaner for them. Like, they're in a shitty spot, though, right? Because they, if they genuinely didn't love the package uh, that the Lakers were offering, and they really do love what Boston's going to offer in the summer, then it's their prerogative to wait, right? Like, this is their one crack. Yeah, but they don't even know know what Boston's going to offer. You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows what Boston's going to offer? But Danny could have told them. He could have told them, like, Hey man, this is what we're gonna well, offer then, when we get a chance. But then that's Tamper, and then Danny Ainge needs to be fine, and then somebody needs to be. That's you know what I'm saying. Like, and that's Tamper, and that, that's why. Like, that, that like, I, I don't know if if uh, I mean I, I guess I guess Boston's young players are better than than the Lakers. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's not even a question. I guess. Do you but, think this is? But who knows what they're gonna offer? I, I think I think the Pelicans wanted to just fuck the Lakers uh, locker room up, and they did a I feel like they did a good job of that. We'll see how these young guys come back and bounce back, but they put them in jeopardy, not even maybe not maybe not even making the fucking playoffs now, and it's all because of chemistry. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's all because of you know chemistry and you know who could be going where, and you know now Levar Ball's talking shit and. Oh man, I don't know if Luke Walton's gonna survive the All Star break. Cause you know what I'm saying, like <laughs> you're into all the storylines. It's drama. It's drama in LA, man. I am. I am. It ain't shit going on right now. It ain't no football. You know, spring training ain't started. It's basketball drama, man. Basketball drama. I know, man. One thing I do think with all this is like even like you know the question about, like, does AD need to address his teammates, right? Like, the situation with the Lakers now with, <laughs> with LeBron. Like, that is one element of this. Like, when there's not finality, is, like, those dudes then have to go back in there knowing that, like, their management or their leader doesn't fully believe in them, right? Like, clearly, LeBron James thinks they're all expendable, and they know that now. Yeah, and that's and that's what's crazy is, like, Puts LeBron in like a, a weird spot because a lot of you know a lot of people know that he's you know in you know has in cahoots with with the ownership and you know Magic and those guys. But then it puts Magic and those guys in the bad spot. Like they 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 need to have a meeting. They ones yeah. need to have, you know they're the ones that need to have a meeting with some of those young guys because you know you know we talked about it on the on, on the podcast. You know you know it's it's a messed up thing when you know you when you're a young player and you get that first lesson of the team don't really care about you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So these young guys get drafted by the Lakers and, you know, they're in L.A. and they, you know, they feel feeling playing for the purple and gold and all that shit. And then as soon as LeBron shows up, you know, we might be able to get Anthony Davis. It's like, fuck y'all. You know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> that's rough to take. <laughs> that's hard to take when you young, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's it ma- it makes you bitter, and it, you know, gives you a little bit of animosity um, towards towards the team, and you know, maybe a little bit towards LeBron because they feel like you know he's in charge of all of this. But um, yeah, I mean, once you get that first lesson in this, man, it, it, it's hard, man. Once you get that first business lesson in, in sports, so. Um, you know, we have to wait and see how these guys bounce back from it. You know, it's it is it's it's ridiculously dramatic, man. And I like I can't blame the Lakers for going all out for AD. But the craziest part about this to me, man, is when LeBron got hurt, the Lakers were playing like the second best team in the West. They had found a nice meshed blend with all these dudes, and so now even with the same pieces, they. They won't be able to get back to that. They just won't because no, that they won't because no. And I think that's the Pelicans knew that. You know, yeah. I think the Pelicans knew you know that they had a chance to be able to to do that. So I think I don't think they were ever had it. They have they ever had plans on trading AD to the Lakers. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think they ever had a plan on it. And, and you know it showed because the the, the Lakers <laughs> offered everybody <laughs> and they turned out turned it all down. Man, it's crazy. This was the read I got from being around the Pelicans, talking to some people around the organization um, when we were there the other day. The read I got was um, that, one, they don't feel compelled to deal AD this summer if they think they're going to be better off waiting till the deadline uh, next year, which personally I think is a mistake, but that's how that's the feeling I got from them. Two, that there's a chance that they do still end up accepting some version of the Lakers deal, but that they just didn't want to do it now, you know, like kind of to your point of like not wanting to be on the Lakers terms, you know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. maybe they go back and end up accepting that, but not now. Yeah. I mean, Which, we'll have to wait and see, but like, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, to to be able to accept a deal in the summertime from the Lakers, it'd be just like a slap in the face. And I know the Lakers, they would not not deal with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're going to deal with them. Um, yeah. But, you know, but we'll see. All right. A couple more questions for you here, C. Brian Sudol tweets and says, uh, CC, as you end your career, what's the greatest lesson you received from baseball? Oh, man. The greatest lesson. Um I guess it's just to, to be a good teammate, you know, and, and to be considerate of others. Um, you know, so many different players come from so many different backgrounds and, you know, you have to try to get to know everybody and be a friend to everybody. And, and uh, you know, that's the biggest thing is just being in the clubhouse with so many different guys and just trying to understand them and, you know, where they're coming from on different things. I like this one a lot from Josh Gordon, not the receiver. Uh, he asks, who did CC? Um, or it's actually Gosh Jordan. I'm sorry. Uh, it's at Schurz on Twitter. <laughs> who did, <laughs> who did, that's like a, they could do some kind of psychology test on that. Who did CeCe wish was a teammate of his but never got to play with? There's a couple. Miguel Cabrera, I wish I could got a chance to play with. I think Prince Fielder would have been fun. Uh, well, I mean, I, we got a chance to play, you know, for two months, but a little longer right. would have been fun. But uh, I think Miggy, Miggy was the biggest one that I always thought, like, I always want to get a chance just to see him play uh, up close every day. Even after that brawl with the Tigers? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> he yeah. just would have been on your side of the brawl that had you guys been teammates. Yeah. He probably would have won the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, look, dude, I'll be down there uh, a few different times. Obviously, we'll have some uh, we'll have some R2C2 tapings while, uh, while I'm down there. But uh, in the meantime, hey, at least we know we can Skype and uh, – and can record from the road like this so we can pump them out every Thursday, bro. Yeah, we can do this. These work, for sure. You go back to enjoying your NBA tonight, all right? I love how right up you are in it. <laughs> I am. I'm all in here, man. <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff. All right, well, remember to rate, review, subscribe. New R2C2 is coming every Thursday. And, um, and yes, it is official. The, the final year of CC's illustrious career. I'm excited for you to enjoy this journey, bro, and excited that we'll be able to document it on R2C2. Yes, man. Thank you. All right. We out. Peace.